Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. The imagination is the golden pathway to everywhere. And that's a quote by Terence McKenna. And I want to welcome you again to the Profitable Photographer. And as it said in that little pre-recording, I'm still Lucy Dumas. Um, I want to invite you to go to lucydumascoaching.com if you haven't, because I have some gifts there and some other ways that we can connect and I can support you. So keep that short and sweet and let you know about this amazing photographer that I get to share about an hour with and then share this with you. His name is Brad Barton. And if you go to bradbarton.usa, you'll be amazed and astounded when you see his photography. Holy cow. He's not surprisingly an award-winning photographer, a PPA master craftsman. He's in North Texas, and he loves to tell people stories and capture emotions in fantastical and sometimes bizarre and surreal ways. And when we had a little quick video chat, he's got all kinds of interesting things on shelves behind him, including a few, not shells, but skulls, that's it. He has been published in nationally distributed books and magazines, featured in full-length motion pictures. Ooh, I'd love to hear about that. And he loves to teach and write about art and photography and has three books. So welcome, 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 Brad. Thank you. So (laughs) we were talking about wanting to know a little bit of your background and keeping it short and sweet, but I, I liked the your darkroom story. So anywho, where, where did this all start? Uh, I've had a camera in my hand as long as I can remember. Um, I, I did the, the high school newspaper yearbook thing, of course, uh, what I was telling you before. Uh, I ended up in, in a new school for my senior year and the school I had come from, there was no requirements that would, they took, you know, basically any, any breathing human being for a, for a photographer, but in the new high school I went into, it was a much larger school, so they had more restrictions. And I had to uh, convince them that I knew my way around a darkroom, even though I'd never developed film or printed pictures before in my life, just to be able to be able on the photojournalism staff for a newspaper in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> do what we got to do. And then I went off to college and actually did my, my first love, which was computers. I, I ended up in the photography business as a business by accident, hmm. um, about 15... I actually play more closer to 20 years ago now. I had had a discussion with my wife and I had made the comment that I, I had uh, missed my, missed a hobby. I didn't have a good hobby. I turned my hobby, which was computers at the time, into a career. So I never got away from them. And I, what I really missed was photography and I wanted to get back into doing some photography. So I picked up the camera again to get away from the computer, which should be funny to anybody who's seen my work and knows how much computer work I do now <laughs> yeah. in photography. And yeah, I, and I did the, I, I did the things we all do in the beginning and, you know, photographing flowers and the, out of my mom's greenhouse and things like that. And uh, I actually taught myself portrait lighting by, by photographing orchids mm. out of my mother's greenhouse. And then uh, I had a chance meeting with a local acting coach 
and she needed help illustrating her book about doing the right way and wrong way to do actor headshots. And that turned into a business and it Mm. became my full-time business pretty quickly uh, thereafter. And I've just been pretty much full-time photographer ever since. So what's your bread and butter? My bread and butter right now is headshots. Acting headshots is probably 80% of my uh, photography income. So then the other part of that question is how much of what we see uh, on your website, things you've won awards with, how much of that is your own personal projects and is some of that for clients? Well, my, uh, what you see on the website is going to be probably about the same as it is for my PPA competition work. It's about 50, 50, uh, of what is client work and what's not, uh, what's personal project type things, uh, whatever spurs my imagination at the time, uh, working with actors means I also encounter a lot of people who have creative spirits and creative souls themselves. So I get mm-hmm. hired by them a lot to do they, they become the headshots because of my gateway into the artwork. It allows me to find these creative people that, that do the cosplay work that want to create characters that want to create, you know, basically movie posters kind of, uh, style of artwork. Mm. So in the categories of commercial photography versus private portrait work, it sounds like overall your bread and butter is commercial. Yes. I'm sure if someone called and said, Hey, I would love a, a really fantastic portrait of myself as a gift for my husband you would do that but it, that's probably not where you're marketing or what your niche is am i am i Correct. right in that? I, I also do uh, i have a pinup brand that i that i don't really promote out there on social media the people who know me know i do it and i and i do make sales there as well but uh it's not it's not my primary focus mm-hmm do you think there's more income available in the commercial space uh, per assignment? It's not so much that it, that there's more income there, but I personally, the way I market, I find it easier to do than than the portrait world. Right. Uh, corporate world, actor actor headshots in particular, where my where my specialty is, uh, repeat business is a lot more common than it is in the portrait space, as far as right, I'm concerned. Right. Um, do you know, I'm sure you must know Christy Elias Sutton. Yes. She's one of my mentors. Yes. Ah, I keep trying to get her on this show and she keeps saying, oh, as soon as I've uh, done this week long school, as soon as, <laughs> anyway, yeah. I, when I first saw her speak at a California state convention, um, and her work is, uh, very creative and kind of dark. And she won every award her first year entering like, like the top awards. But I was fascinated to hear how she does do it as client, client work and kind of delighted that there is a space for that. And it sounds like occasionally you, you know, you touch on that as well. And I've been building on it. Um, I've really, I've only been pushing the artistic work as uh, as a primary business, as a primary focus over the last mm, four or five years. Uh, when I hit 50, my goal was to try and transition completely into that by the time I was 60. So mm. <laughs> well, I'm Are about four years into that plan right now and a pandemic kind of interrupted the trend I was having, but. <laughs> <laughs> Did it give you more time to do more personal projects? It gave me some time to focus on the personal projects. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I had a few people that, 
that were in my core group that we we still hung out together they were still uh willing to come in for for uh whatever brilliant idea i had at the moment <laughs> of the moment to come That's in awesome. and do. Yeah. So I still had a few people, few few models here and there, and then last fall I just sat down and started playing with toys and doing doing photos of toys. I've got a competition piece that I'm currently putting together right now that's built entirely of of four inch tall toys. Oh, fun. <laughs> uh, that that actually one of my questions that we can dig into a little bit later in this chat is about how you stay creative and inspired. And I could see that as like one great way is to come up with something unusual. Um, like, uh, did you ever see that the Barbie and Ken wedding uh, photos where somebody did an entire wedding as if they were, as if it was real with Barbie and Ken? Yes, I've seen yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So I bet that sparked a lot of creativity in them in a lot of different ways. Certainly. Yeah. Then. And those those ideas are always fun to see. I've got I've got several of those kinds of things going in my head that I want to do at some point. Uh, several years ago, for a for a photographer friend, she wanted me to do a maternity photo for her, but she wanted something different. And so mm -hmm. you know, people come people come to me because they want something different, right? And uh, her husband was a big adventurer, and they were doing a the baby's room in an adventure theme, Indiana Jones style adventure theme. So we did uh, Indiana Jones style portrait of the of the two of them, her with her, <laughs> her with her belly and him uh -huh. dressed, up, dressed up with whips and and guns <laughs> out in, out in the forest somewhere. But in the in the process of doing that, I also uh, conspired with her uh, studio partner, and we created an entire storyboard of images. We created like ten different images during that photo session. She started to get an idea of what we were trying to do, but she didn't know to the extent we were doing it. And we took those 10 storybook images and created a baby book, a, a little adventure story for the baby mm -hmm. uh, with illustrated by me and, and, and partly written by me, but also her studio partner went in and embellished it. And we gave her a really pretty album, a 20 page album, story page on one side and image on the other side of each of what each store, what each image meant and so on about mm. finding the perfect baby gift and that sort of thing. It was, <laughs> it was actually really, a, really a fun, fun mm. project to do. Have you entered that in PPA print competition? I didn't enter it in the PPA. I did it in our state and it, it did merit at the time. But uh, one of the critiques I got back on it was that it was too many words for competition. Okay. <laughs> so, so someday I had this vision of doing another book like that, a storyboard book like that only doesn't require words. You can follow the story from right. just watching the images go past. Yes. Or, or just a few. I can see that. Now that Barbie and Ken wedding would have fit in that category. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Okay, I have a couple other questions. And then I want to, I know you have a lot to share about imagination. But before we dive into that part, so you already mentioned Christy. Um, my question is, what and who inspires you? Who inspires me from the beginning? The, the one who really made me realize that I could create the visions I had in my head was Richard Sturdivant. Mm. watching his work and watching him evolve into uh Richard Sturdivant. I mean he yeah. was local to me at the time uh when I first started being aware of him back in 2010ish 2011ish was when he was first hitting up and get, and and hitting the big time and starting yeah, getting, getting hundreds multiple 100s out of his cases and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Uh and talking to him and just realizing that 
there was no limit to what you could create between mm -hmm. the photo editing tools we have and, and photography, using photography as a base. Yes, which for me is kind of a challenge when I think about it. I get kind of like anxiety in my throat because when there's no limit, I'm like, then where do I start? Do you have that challenge at all? Or is it just like, okay, let's try this. Well, imagination, cre your creativity, creativity itself is, is a tool. It's, it's, it's not a talent. It is a, it is a physical skill that you can develop. You have to just open your mind to the idea that, that there's inspiration all around you. You can uh, pick it up from what you're, from what you're watching on TV currently, what you've been reading, what you've read as a child, uh, childhood mm -hmm. stories fall into mind a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I also spent 13 seasons in a haunted house business, which is one of the reasons why. I have a <laughs> dark yeah, that's going to uh, create some neural pathways in your brain. For Exactly. And as you mentioned, there were several skulls behind me on my, on my <laughs> shelves. Halloween's always been an important holiday to me. So when I had the opportunity to be in the haunted house business for a little while, I was, I was definitely all over that. Uh, I was just thinking yesterday, I really missed that. Mm -hmm. So have you ever been to Spain and been to the, I imagine you appreciate Salvador Dali a lot. Dolly is Dolly is one of my painting heroes. Yes, yes, but I've no, I've not been, I've not been that direction. I've been to Asia, but not, not to uh, Europe. Uh, so this time last year, if you, not last year, three years ago, I was in Spain, and my Facebook feed keeps popping up with three years ago. Would you like to post these again? And so his museum, <laughs> it's, uh, you can expect it's wild and yeah. like there's there's this big kind of clay colored walls before you go in and they've got these what looks like sort of a pattern of buttons about four feet apart in a grid pattern but when you get close it's loaves of bread and there's like beautiful statues on the tops of things like greek statues but they've got baguettes on their head and there's this like 20 foot stack of tires and um and of course, the the art itself is amazing. So, you know, I'm like astounded. And then we go to his home in a little fishing village on the coast. And what I realized is so many things in his paintings, he has those things at his house still, even though he's moved away <laughs> to wherever someone like him would end up. Um <laughs> You know, he's dead if anybody doesn't know who he is. And it it really like there's pitchforks and there's skulls and there's stuffed goats and uh, just plethora of stuff that I'm sure he just collected things that seemed cool and then used them in paintings. Yeah, that's and, the odd things that we do. It's, it, I, I limit myself every year when all the Halloween stuff starts hitting the stores. I, I tell myself I'm going to buy one expensive thing a year mm. for, for my collection. And yeah. it's usually a skull or something along those lines. What you saw behind me is only a portion of what's sitting here in front of me <laughs> in my vision yes. for, yeah. for Halloween props and, and such that I've done. And I oftentimes will incorporate those Halloween props into photographs later on. So Right. So you're proving my my lesson that I learned at Dolly's home is that things come from somewhere or they can. So a place to start if like for me, who's got that overwhelm thing is what would you recommend? 
Well, you know, that's, you, that's exactly it. I, I find myself inspired by those things, yeah. but not just those things. Um, I go to PetSmart to get uh, food for my dogs and I'll wander through the fish tank aquarium pieces and I'm inspired by those. You can find some of the, some aquarium pieces are in a lot of my photographs, mm. things that I've, I've shot with my iPhone in the middle of, in the middle of pet store at the pet store. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, so you and don't have to actually take it home and cut outs and incorporate them into into my imagery yeah uh, so you don't have so uh just to clarify you don't have to buy it all now you can capture it like you don't have to have a big exactly. house the, your iphone your iphone's got or your phone not just not just for the iphones but the samsung's are the other the google phones as well but mm-hmm. your phone's camera has is, is a pretty impressive piece of equipment these days it it does a pretty good job of of uh, capturing just about anything that's in front of you in almost every light condition, it seems like as well, uh, which is means in the pet store, it's just fine. And for the kind of artwork that I'm doing, I'm changing around the light direction anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just a good flat light in the middle of the pet store is generally fine for these things. But I'm, like I said, I find myself very inspired by a lot of the things that I just find laying around in, in the store. I'll go mm-hmm. to uh, Joanne Fabrics with, with, uh, with the wife sometimes and go wander through the fairy garden stuff and the little houses and, and things like that will oftentimes inspire me. I may never use one for, for an image, but the idea of them inspires me to do those things. So that uh, I was going to ask how you keep your creativity fresh. And it sounds like you go out and look at stuff and photograph stuff. And is there any other tricks, Just anything else? Keeping your, keeping your brain open, um, allow yourself to allow your imagination to wander, have uh, exercises where you take a look at one of these kinds of things and, and figure out what could I do with it? What figure, build a story in your head about what that, what that is, what that means, how it could be, how it could come to be. Mm. Just allow yourself the mental exercises to, to do it. So trying to summarize, uh, cause I've got little explosions in my brains going on right now. And so if you start with an object and then think about if I was going to tell a little story, um, like when I was a kid, I was on vacation and uh, this little friend that I made had a camera. I didn't realize there was no film in it. And we took my teddy bear and went all over the park. And I told a little story of this teddy bear and then was sad to know there was no film in it. So yeah, maybe I could find a teddy bear. <laughs> Remember that story and figure out how to tell that. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Exactly, exactly. And just it, it, what you were just doing, it, it's find that object and start to build a story in your head. It doesn't have to be perfect. And it's and the first couple that you do in your, the first mental, ex- mental exercises you do in this way are not going to be perfect. And they're not going to be stories. They're not going to necessarily lead you to an artwork, but the exercise of doing it is what I mean by you can yes. train your brain to be creative. Yeah. When you said creativity is not a talent, it's a tool that that's a pretty mind blowing thought that I hear just what you're saying. That's one of the biggest questions I always get is where do you get your ideas from? Well, yeah. you know, as a comic book collector for a year, for, mm. for years before back in, back in the nineties. And so a lot of my ideas come from the superheroes Right. that i read about back then mm-hmm. um the superhero movies don't don't hurt that these days i watch a lot of science fiction i watch a lot of fantasy things mm-hmm. uh, on tv which is where like, a lot of my ideas come from mm-hmm. but the same could apply to anybody if you know fa- science fiction fantasy isn't in your 
isn't in your tool bag, isn't something that you're really interested in, then you still can get the same inspirations from the romantic movies. You can get the same inspirations from the, the, the lifetime movies, heaven forbid, uh, <laughs> you know, those sorts of things. You can, you can find inspiration anywhere and, and start to build on it watch these shows that you are interested in and study how they're crafting the story mm -hmm. and how they're using imagery to craft craft that story mm -hmm. uh, i also do a lot of uh you you mentioned dolly but i'm also watching some of the more contemporary painters michael cheval comes to mind one of the he's one of the modern surrealists uh he does a, he does an amazing set he's got an amazing set of paintings that are based on the beatles and beatles songs really oh yeah so you could get astounding. some music you you could be inspired by a piece of music that you exactly. love exactly exactly there's there's it's art everywhere. all around you you just have to open your eyes to see it yeah i um i love going to art museums and paintings uh, i'm always drawn to the ones with children or people where there's beautiful light and more than once I've later evaluated a photograph that I took that I loved and realized I it basically was a reproduction of a painting I love but I wasn't thinking about it it just things get in our creative brain and imagination and they come out different ways so exactly I I uh, already think I understand you a little bit more comic books and and uh, uh, I don't even like the Halloween scary uh, I can't remember what you, haunted houses haunted house business yeah <laughs> like I said I was in the haunted house industry for 13 seasons which is really funny because I really don't like horror movies I find most of them just stupid uh-huh <laughs> yeah but the comic book so this is a little aside but do you like the movies that are made from comic book characters the the marvel universe has gotten it right they really they're really really true to the original material in a mm. lot of ways there's some ways they're not of course but the especially the, the what they refer to as the mcu the marvel marvel cinematic universe okay That's the iron mans and 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 such in that in that realm the avengers yeah. set those yeah. are really really true to the original comics dc for some reason, DC movie directors seem to want to take it their own direction, and they're not very loyal to the original source material in it. And the movie doesn't do as well for that reason, because comic book fans want to see what they read about on the screen. Mm -hmm. That's why the original Superman movie did so well with Chris Reeve. Yeah. Because it was so true to the original comic and the original vision of the original comic. Right. Uh, the original Batman with Michael Keaton was the same way. It was, it mm -hmm. was very much true to the comic but then somewhere they got away from it and they started trying to make the dc heroes they tried to make all their heroes gritty like batman and superman's not batman <laughs> no he's not he's he's bruce wayne that then likes to dress up and fly around and save the world yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh let's see so how do you think creativity and profitability because my show is called the profitable photographer so uh, how do you think they go hand in hand they go hand in hand because and i i'll use i'll use print competition as an example from from ppa yes a lot of my a lot of my imagery i was probably i, I went through and looked at it probably 50 percent of of the stuff i've merited with over the years has been uh personal work versus client mm -hmm. work the other half is probably client work um, it gives you the opportunity to stretch 
the creative bounds of what a normal portrait client might want. And what happens is you show that anything is possible. And the client that sees that thinks, well, if they can do that, well, then they can definitely handle my project. Right. Uh, as I started doing competi- print competition, and I'm a big, big proponent of, of image competition in, at, P- at the PPA level. And why is uh, that? And that's because as I started doing it, and I, not, just, not just because I was, I, was, I was succeeding in it, but as I was doing it, my work was improving. And right. I started looking at everything I did, every work I did approaching as a potential competition image. And I started looking at it and editing it and preparing for it as if it were a competition image. And I noticed very early on in my, in my competition career, noticed that not only was my work improving, but the quality of client I was attracting with that work was improving. Mm-hmm. And the quality of the amount of money they wanted to pay for my work was also improving. Yeah. And at the, all at the same time. Yeah. And it was, it was all related together. I would, I would post something out there, crazy, wild, full, one of the full of imagination type images. And I, I post them all the time and I'll get, I'll get back the, I need you to do a headshot for me mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. Yeah. It, got, it gets their attention. Right. Um, fashion shows. This is one of the things that makes me nuts about fashion show posts that show up on Facebook. People don't understand. They see these, they see these crazy things that come out of these fashion shows, right? Mm-hmm. You, we've all seen them, the, you know, the men in the, the men in the skirts and the wild shoes and, and, and crazy materials right. and, and just bizarre. Nobody would ever wear that kind of thing. And they make fun of it that they think this is where fashion is heading. It's not, that's not what that is about. What that is about is the designer of those costumes, creations, outfits, whatever you want to call them. They're not showing that this is where I think fashion is going. They're showing I can do this with crazy materials that are hard to work with. So I can definitely sew your suit. I can definitely design your next dress line. Mm -hmm. It's all about getting attention for then the mundane work that we all do day in and day out. Right. After headshot business. Yeah. It's, it's my bread and butter. Like I said, it's 80%, probably actually more like 70% these days because the art side is taking more and more over every day. Nice. But uh, 80% is just the number I've always thrown out there over the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love one of my favorite shows is the the designer fashion design yes. competition. I can't remember. What's it called? Um, there was, there's several of them. There was one, I think called design star that was on one of them. No, no, that's for, that was for home improvements. Home improvement. So Heidi Klum, it, it, now there's yes. Tim Gunn and every week I just loved seeing what they'd come up with and, They'd like take them to a a warehouse and say, get materials and make a fantasy dress out of something that you find here. And sometimes I would pause and I would think about what I would do, how I would fulfill that assignment. And uh, I think that loosens up my own creativity. But yeah, that um, and I will say that for me, there's been things that I've shown over the years that someone would hire me back when black and white real prints on photographic paper, you know, on black and white paper, where we hand colored in with Marshall oils, some spot color that was really popular. And people, you remember that era, right? Somehow you've been on the planet for a little, little while. And now I understand that uh, younger people would rather sell their cameras than do that for somebody (laughs) and that computer. Nope, I'm done. But I would show that work and people would hire me. 
And then they almost never bought the, the hand colored black and white because once they saw the beauty of the black and white and of the color images, that's what they would create as their art. And I was happy about that because the spot color ones would, would sit uh, calling my name, uh, you know, something I needed to do. Uh, you know, it was a little stressor. Do you know what I'm talking about as a project right. that, you know, okay, now I got to clear the table. I got to get my stuff out. I've got to be in the mood for this. And it'd be like, paint me, paint me. No, I want to do everything else. Um, anyway, so yes, I, that has been my direct experience with showing work that is different and right. people hiring me for the not different, but just knowing that I've, I'm offering some things and able to do some things that other people aren't. So I, I said the, the, the headshot work I do is, is part of that mundane work that, that right daily dredge it, the stuff i do in in my headshot work will almost never be competition work it's mm -hmm. it's from a competition standpoint it's boring it's usually flat lit or at least fairly flat lit uh very 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 low lighting ratios from difference from light and shadow side of the faces it's uh simplistic but that's what that's what's needed for that for that genre right um and because of the other work i do and because of because i'm gotten so good at it i'm not the cheapest one in town for sure by I far uh, <laughs> but and i make no apologies for that but i've gotten i've gotten i got a commercial job from my uh, uh a local advertising firm here working with big name clients i can't i can't say who but working with big name clients because he saw my haunted house work mm. He saw my haunted housework and he brought me in to do a Christmas set <laughs> for this client. You Very know? Cool. Yeah. So, and that was a, that was a pretty lucrative job. That was a $2,500 a day commercial job. Oh, that's nice. So, yeah. and a lot, and people wonder sometimes seeing my social media, what it is that I, that I'm actually doing as a full-time photographer. It was, it's a lot of the work I do is confidential work. I can't share. Mm. So, you know, a lot of the stuff I'm posting, yes, is personal work and or is, is you know, some of my model friends and such because we went out and had some fun that weekend because the, the commercial work that I do day in and day out, a lot of times I can't, I can't show. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, my mind is, is thinking of, uh, of how to just like maybe give gift certificates to the headshot people and say, Hey, if you want to do something super, super wild. I'd love to, you know, bonus you something, or I don't know, I could see how I'm guessing that you're finding some paths. Yeah. I'll, I'll go off on a tangent on that one for just a second. If you, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've recently, recently expanded what I'm saying I offer. I've always offered it, but now I'm, I'm pushing it that I'm actually pushing it as part of my uh, marketing. And most of my marketing is word of mouth stuff. So I, what I'm telling my actors while I'm photographing them, that sort of thing. Uh, I've expanded that into branding ideas. I refer to them as branding ideas. And what the branding ideas is, is bringing these actors in to create these kinds of images, mm. the, the creative ones, the exciting ones. Um, I just did a week and a half ago, just went out and did what I referred to as a branding, branding style session where we took, have you ever seen the parachute dress images? Oh yeah. Yeah, we went out and took parachute out to the park and and did parachute images all day, and more well more than half of the people that that came for those minis 
were my my other kinds of headshot clients. Mm. They came in to do this because it was fun and exciting, something they can post to their Instagram and social social media stuff. Uh, look how much fun I had doing this. Plus it's an mm. experience that they talk about. Right. And so it increases your word of mouth exposure. So all of this, even if you're doing the mundane work every day, like I do with the headshot stuff, you can expand that creativity into ideas to do these things. I'm, I'm doing these kinds of mini days where I have a theme like the parachute dress day that I'll sit and I'll say, okay, this is the day I'm doing it. This is the only day I'm doing it probably for the next six months. Mm. And you can get in, you can get in now on it. And th that particular one, I told myself I would have seven slots for it when I set out to do it, just based on amount of time. And, the, and when the sun sets during that, this time of year, mm -hmm. told myself I'd have seven slots for it. I put out a feeler on Facebook saying, uh, I'm going to be doing this on this day. If you're interested, speak up now and I'll make sure you're first on the list when it, when I set it up. And I had that day booked before I even had set it up. Huh. <laughs> before people even knew how much it was going to be, I had that day booked. Huh. So then did you charge more than you thought you were going to? No, I charge, I charge what I expected to charge <laughs> for it. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't even really get that much out of it. All they got were a couple of, of small logoed images mm -hmm. from the day. If they want to, they can buy prints of those images and such that. But most of them, that's all they want. That's all they needed for mm. them because they're using it for their social media, their own self-promotion. Right. See me as a person that, um, I don't, I don't know if you know, I've been in business since 82 and my main bread and butter is wall portraits. And so for me, when I hear you say that's all they need, I think, no, they <laughs> need wall art. They need to see that image every day and know how spectacular they are. So and things like the parachute dress session. Yes. And they do it and they yes. will buy it. They'll, they'll come back and buy it for that. They'll come back and buy a piece of wall art for it. This okay. is one of those epiphanies I, I just now came out of uh, this last imaging with listening to Kira Derberry talk uh -huh. at imaging because, you know, yes, I spent, a, I spent, I, as I said, I ended up in this business by accident. So I didn't have mm -hmm. a lot of business knowledge that was specifically related to photography. I came, mm -hmm. out, I came into, when I came into the photography business, I had already been running a, my own uh, software company for six or seven years. So the business side of things, I understood. Mm -hmm. I understood all the things about ROI. I understood how to run a business. I understood about all the sales tax, all the ins and outs, all those crazy things that, that people don't think of when they want to get into the photography business. I already knew how to do all that stuff, but photography specific related things I didn't really think about. So I spent a lot of time listening to other people, what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. I probably would have had a lot more success a lot earlier if I hadn't done that. I kept doing, I kept chasing things people told me I should be doing. You should be doing seniors. You should be doing weddings. You should be doing mm. these things. And none of these things that I had passions for. And on top of it, you should be doing seniors and you should be selling, you know, full packages of five by sevens and eight by tens and, and albums and, and shooting for albums and all those things. And I was listening to all these voices in my head and it was confusing and hard and trying to keep up with it. Mm -hmm. And it just, it was a nightmare of trying to do all those things. And a few years ago, I just kind of threw my hands up in the air and said, no, this is what I'm going to do. Good. I got validation from it. This is the epiphany I had at imaging when listening to Kara Derryberry talking, got validation for the thought when she said that she kind of was raised in a mall. Her, her mom was a, a manager at one of the stores, I think, or something like that. Mm -hmm. So she grew up around the 80s and 90s advertising the big images up on the walls behind the registers and mm -hmm. that's what she wanted to do she wanted to create big images for people put up on their walls and that's all she wanted to do and i thought 
yes, that's where my art business needs to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where the art business is going. That's what I've been trying to do with that art business. I don't, right. I don't care to go create a photo session that's going to result in 20 images. Right. I want one big image that they'll walk past on the wall, but one big image on the wall that mm-hmm. they walk past every day and go, that was so much fun. We need to do that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And if I did what you do, that's the approach that I would have is that creative process. And uh, and that's where my art business is transitioning to. I'm right. trying to transition it. Basically okay. what I, the way I put it the other day to somebody on Facebook was I'm transitioning into a business where I want to be able to do that exclusively and have a limited, limited clientele, which means, you know, it'll be uh, a, a pretty penny that'll be, that'll cost people to be able to do it, to be able to bring me and my vision in. Yes. An artist is hired not for his labor, but for his vision. It's James Whistler quote. Oh, I like that. Uh, so what I really appreciate about this conversation, Brad, is a lot of my podcasts, we're talking about the business side and people whose work is not award-winning yet can still make a very good living. Uh, yes. As long as it's competent, nice expressions, posed well, good exposures, the, the people, if it's people photography, the people like how they look in it, uh, it doesn't have to be the best ever in the history of photographs or the best we're ever going to take. But you and, well, I are, should... you and I are of an age. We re- we remember one hour photo counters. Yes. You remember the one hour photos. You ever stood behind somebody at a one hour photo counter and, and watched them go through their photos? Uh, I... Oh my God, this is such a good photo of you. Look at this right. photo and you're looking over their shoulder and it's blurry. Right. Or the it... eyes are red or whatever. It's right. not because it's a great photo. It's because it's a photo of them. Them. Yes. So and on that's this, what, that's what photographers just starting out in this business forget. This isn't about how good the photo is. It's did you capture that person? I, when I was first starting out, I once had a, I once had a client that bought an eight by 10 image of their kid that was slightly out of focus. It drove me crazy. She wanted that image though, because it was the perfect expression. Mm-hmm. So how good the photography is doesn't always matter. 90% right. of this is business, not photography. Right. And this show, my podcast, Profitable Photographer, we feature that a lot. What I love about this conversation is encouraging people to stretch, to stretch their creativity, to create some things that make them super happy and inspired and that will increase their own skills and be good marketing because when work is like yours and um, like Christy and other people that do just incredible fantasy portraits is it can't help but get attention. And then whatever it is that you want to do bread and butter, it's much easier. I mean, I think I've read relied in marketing in my photography business more on the strength of my work than my skill as a marketer. So that's an area I've always needed to, you know, pump up, but the. My marketing skills have always been terrible. So I I understand that perfectly. (laughs) Yeah. And so we, but keeping, having really amazing work doesn't hurt. (laughs) No, it does not hurt at all. Uh, It's very rare in this business to find somebody who got into the photography business because they heard it was a way to make money. They got into the photography business because they loved photography. Right. 
And the stuff I'm talking about here at the moment is the creativity, the imagination exercises, all those things. Those are the things that are supposed to remind you why you got into this business in the first place. Mm -hmm. They keep you going. If, if you were doing just the mundane work all the time, every time you get bored and burned out quickly, this is a way to avoid that burnout and to still be exciting. And then, as I said before, as you continue to stretch your own boundaries, you'll find that people will be excited by what you're doing. They'll be excited right. by the idea that they can go beyond their limits. They may still hire you for the mundane things because they'll think that's not for me, but they still are seeing you because you're stretching, because right. you're pushing yourself out there. Right. Right. One of the things that I recommend is creating a, a group of friends that do creative projects together. I've been a part of a women's photography group that started 35 years ago when this was a man's world in the professional photography industry. And there were very few women and the questions we'd ask during programs, like, what do you wear to a wedding or just some different things the guys didn't know. So we started this both with the, the few women photographers and then uh, it, they're either if their wives were involved running the office, doing the sales, all that. And then at a certain point, the universe shifted and it became more equal in the photography world to have women and men out speaking and photographing. So we went back to our creative heart and we're still going strong all these years. And we've done things like getting horses and models running on the beach. <laughs> and uh, we did still life projects where we get a still life that we like, that a painting or something else, and then be inspired by that and do some art of our own. Or, you know, so sometimes to me, because some things will overwhelm me. I'll think, oh, I'd like to get horses running on the beach with models. That'd be awesome for fun. But how do you do that? But somebody in this group of 60 has friends who have horses and we daughters that yeah, love to ride. And, and then other people knew how to find a location. So do, do you do that sometimes where you kind yeah, of collaborate? Certainly. certainly. Uh, doing one tomorrow, actually. We're doing an underwater shoot tomorrow with a mermaid friend of mine mm. uh, at, at a friend's pool. <laughs> I've got a text message here on my phone right now from her. I've got to nice. answer when this call is done. And other photographers are joining you? No, it's just going to be the two of us photography. Okay. Do you ever collaborate or just do creative fun things with other We'll We'll collaborate too. We, we've, we've done those no, with photographers. Yes. With other photographers. We, we, yeah. We've got, we've got plans to do some things like that. We've got another okay. one. I've got another one that I've got in my head for years. I want to get a group of us out all with the same model, the same locations. And then when we're all done comparing and contrasting what we did, because everybody's mm -hmm. got a different idea they bring to the table. Yes. Yeah. We, as a group, sometimes we get models, like most of us had not done nudes at a certain point. And so we found a very private, beautiful home that had great land around it and found models that are comfortable. And then we all kind of wandered off in different groups and posed and draped and things. And it was fascinating to see 
first of all, I'll say we, but I <laughs> broke through some of that a little like, I don't know, just that little awkwardness that I felt, you know, pointing my camera at somebody naked. <laughs> It's kind of strange. Yes. Yes. And um, seeing the same models and what different people created from that. Um, and I still in this group, there are a lot of people that do beautiful di digital art and I'll still see pieces that show up from that session or other model sessions that we've done together. So yeah, that's one of the ways I keep my creativity alive. And, and to, to an extent, you feed off of each other in those situations. Absolutely. Uh, you can be inspired by by uh, what other people are doing. Oh, I didn't ever thought about doing it that way before. And then the mm -hmm. next time you're encountered with that situation, you'll think about that. Right. My only challenge is if, if I've posed something and lit it and I'm doing portraits and then people take pictures over my shoulder and then they show it as their work, uh, I, you know, I... I think in collaborative things like this, it's nice to, to be mindful of what came from you. Um, do, do you know what I'm talking about? And yes. it's not a, and I always feel funny because it's like, well, my tooth possessive and they're not selling it. They're just showing it on their Facebook or something. But I'm like, yeah, but it was my idea. And to you a know. small extent, it's a misrepresentation of their work because it's, right. not, it's not something that they created. Uh, but at the same time, is, is it something they could recreate if they wanted, if they needed to for somebody? So right. yeah, it go, the argument goes both ways. Yeah. Right. I, one of the reasons why when I'm at a workshop, whether I'm, whether I'm teaching, well, when I'm teaching it, I'm, I'm having to photograph, but when I'm, when I'm attending a workshop, um, you won't see me in the crowd of people all shooting the same thing. Right. I'll take one or two pictures and then move on. Right. I'll take because a few, like, I just need to like remember taking... how it was done. Not necessarily mm -hmm. the image itself isn't important anymore. Right. And I'll take some more like note taking. Right. But yeah, I'd never show it as, as my photography. Note taking type <laughs> images. Exactly. Right. One time I was in a, I don't know, in a small town somewhere. And I think they had a camera store, but they also had photographs on the wall as professional and two of them were just like breathtaking and the rest were very below par. And I realized the breathtaking ones they had taken at a workshop with uh, like, it might've been Joyce Wilson or somebody yeah. that does those creative ones. But again, I always work on not judging other people's decisions. And sometimes I, I just think in terms of like kind of what you said, if, if I could take that kind of image, then it's between me and me about whether I show, show that. I don't know why I got off on this tangent. We <laughs> <laughs> were talking about collaboration with other photographers. Cause right, you can't I know. And, the photographers and, it, and it is that funny thing that will pop up sometimes, you know, some possessiveness or, or worry about others. Like, like the um, mo not model shoots, but what do they call them? Styled shoots. Yeah, the styled shoots. And we used to have uh, people that were like doing one a month, and then the photographers were using them as their, you know, to build their portfolios. And I just yeah. always worried about a the photographers and b the clients who thought somebody knew how to 
put a certain scene together and light it a certain way that um, it could lead to some tears. <laughs> so. but, but cooperation over competition too. Uh, oh, I'm all about that. And I'm sure- Rising tide lifts all boats. Exactly. And so everybody learns from those and that's great. And um, so yes, collaborate. <laughs> okay, uh, I have just a couple questions for you before we, um, so I wanna remind people to stay tuned for my wrap up. Uh, question number one is, I know you have an exciting, fun, new thing you've created. And in fact, you showed me the cards before we jumped in. So can you tell me about your game and how people could uh, connect to it or purchase it? The game has kind of evolved over over time from the from the last two books that I did. I did two art books, one beautiful one called Beautiful Monsters and one called Seven Seas. Those are both available on my website as well. Um, and then the thought was, I, and we've got friends we game with every night. So the thought was trying to create a card game based on uh, my art, using my art for some of the basis of it. So the idea for Fairy Bargains came about. And it's a relatively simple game to learn. Uh, it's based on another game or two that we've that we've played in the past as well, but uh, with some modifications to it. And of course, all new artwork, all new story involved with it as well. Um, hoping to get it to its Kickstarter here. This will be the third Kickstarter I've done uh, by June 1st. And I've just opened pre-orders on my website right now. Okay, so how do we, what's the, the web address? My, my web, my website is bradbarton.us, B-A-R-T-O-N.us. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a link there that says store or just go to bradbarton.us slash store and you can get to it. Um, the reason I have a US and not a .com is because there's like a million Brad Bartons out there. Mm -hmm. Including a politician's son and a weatherman here local. Oh, nice. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it's so much fun. To, yes. It, and then a new guy that's come up with a new with his radio show that has messed up my SEO all over the place. Oh. <laughs> but whatever. Whatever. You <laughs> whatever. don't need you don't need no stinking SEO because no, most of most of my advertising is word of mouth anyway. Right. So the SEO is really not right. that important. If Just somebody's get looking on for his... Brad Barton photographer, they already know how to find me. Yeah. So you should get on his show though, be interviewed by him. And yeah, he's win -win. not really in my same politics. Um, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Um, I, don't like, I don't like extremists and he's definitely one of those okay got it extremists from either direction from either the left or the right yeah <laughs> i'm so yep. middle of the ground i usually piss everybody off mm. uh, <laughs> you're an equal opportunity uh yes i'm an equal opportunity annoyer That's it. <laughs> so i suppose your phone number your email and everything is at brad barton yeah, Brad Barton us you can find me on any any social media platform i'm on i will be tx headshots mm. Okay. Uh, you can find me that way very easily. Instagram, Twitter, any of the above, whatever, whatever Great. one floats your fancy. I actually have a TikTok account. I was just talking to my wife about this. I have a TikTok account, but I've done nothing with it because I don't understand TikTok. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's not for us. I, I think I, I'm too old for TikTok is my problem. <laughs> exactly. Unless we want to dance a lot and things like that. Okay. So my last question, Brad, is... Either is there something that you haven't shared that you want to make sure we walk away with or do you have any last parting thoughts to leave us with? Well, the last thought, and then this spins back into everything we've talked about, is to make sure that you, you allow yourself to be creative. 
it, it, it is, it's practically a permission slip that you have to give yourself to be creative. You have permission to think outside the box. You have permission to do something different and you have permission to fail while doing it. Mm. You'll learn more from the failures than you will from the successes. I love it. And I just had the picture. Um, now, I know you teach. Yes. Right? Uh, do you do, um, have you done the longer workshops like West Coast School and Texas? I haven't done any of the, I haven't done any of the affiliate schools. I really want to. It's on my yeah. bucket list. To okay. Because do. those are a great way that I've ended up, like I took, do you know Arthur Rainville? Oh, yes. I love Arthur. Yeah, so his podcast episode from maybe episode number 25 or 30, everybody loved that because he's just the most inspiring person ever. And I was in a kind of a real flat zone when I took his class and afterwards I was just on fire. So sometimes spending time with someone like you and who will give us assignments, push you out of your comfort zone, um, get with other people can also really, you know, if it's hard to like sit in your own chair and think up your own stuff. Right. <laughs> Would you agree coming with that? Up, coming up, I think I'm speaking for Arkansas. I want to say it's at the end of July. Mm -hmm. I'll be, I'll be actually in Arkansas for that one. Oh, nice. I'll be talking to Kansas about teaching at their either fall or next spring seminar mm -hmm. and i'm doing a zoom presentation for oregon ppa in november i believe oh awesome just I'm, remembering those off the top of my head <laughs> yeah this this june uh i'm speaking for the the new jersey state ppa group so that's gonna be fun but yeah hands on with you i'm gonna keep my eye open brad for and I'm hoping to schedule another day long here soon for the imagination portraits thing. We'll, and what we do with that session is uh, we start with the basic idea and then create an image and you'll have, and we'll have edited it out and be finished by the end of the day with the love image. it, love it, love it, love it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brad, for saying yes to being on my show. And I just know that there are people where this is listening. This is absolutely going to change their life. I hope so. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Brad. Well, I had a little private chat time with Brad in between now and let's say 10 seconds ago. <laughs> I'm excited to um, see more of his work. And if he is speaking anywhere, I'm going to take his class because I could definitely use some uh, creativity inspiration right now. So I'm going to see if I can summarize these notes. I loved how he turned his hobbies into careers. And, you know, what's better than that? So some of the things to think about when we're trying to pick a specialty is something he mentioned is not to listen to what everyone else says people should be doing, but tap into what is your desire, what excites you. He talked about creativity as a tool and not a talent. It can be learned. It's a skill that can be developed just like anything. You know, singers, uh, he didn't talk about singers, but I'm just thinking about singers can have some raw talent, but if they don't develop it, almost never, except maybe some people on American Idol 
that are just completely natural, but we can get much better as singers, as photographers, as creative thinkers. Um, I loved how he gets creative inspiration from just going to places like PetSmart aquariums and fabric stores and wherever there might be creative, imaginative things that he photographs. So he doesn't have to buy them. He can just have them in his uh, collection of images. And then I liked the, we can use those as a creative exercise and build a story around something to train our brains. Uh, we talked about exposing yourself to things that are inspiring and art, contemporary painters, I'd say everything, music, theater, everything. Um, I ask about how his creativity and profitability go together. And he said that by stretching creatively beyond what a normal client might want, it actually attracts his ideal clients because they see his potential. And so of course they figure, well, yeah, he's going to do a great executive portrait um, or whatever it is that they are hiring him for. And he talked about how creative work keeps us going, keeps us inspired, stretching our boundaries and pushing through our fears and limits. And then his last thought was to make sure that you allow yourself to be creative, give yourself permission to do something different and even to fail at it, but, but to go for it. So I hope you got a lot of inspiration and creative thinking out of today. I know I did. And we'll see you next time. Bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one -on -one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.